Hi, everyone. I'm welcoming today Thomas Morisset, actually a longtime friend of mine as well, uh, same as Thomas Cotiani, as they are all Thomas. And uh, Thomas used to work at a very large alcohol firm called Pernod Ricard uh, five or six years ago. That's how I came to know him, because we had one friend in common. And uh, he ultimately started his own business, Made for Goods. So I'd like to know more about what he's doing because his numbers are pretty impressive in his presentations, talking about 1 billion transactions a year and uh, scanned. And I have to confess that I had a hard time to understand what he was doing first. And uh, step by step, the more I talk to him, the more I understand what he's doing. And I hope that we can understand a bit more as well how to run a tech company, a software company, a SaaS company, to be more precise, in China. Welcome to us. Hello, David. How are you? Good, and thanks for being for being here. Um, good, good. So, why, what, what is Made for Goods? Okay, Made for Goods is a SaaS company in China. Uh, we've been around for a little bit over two years now. Uh, we're based in Shanghai, and um, we offer to our clients, which are large packaged goods companies in China. Um, software to help them interface their smaller customers. Uh, so some of our clients are um, the SAF, which is a yeast company, which uses our software to interface small bakers, uh, boulangerie, uh, in China, or Saint-Gobain, which uses our software to interface factories, which use their products, or Unilever, which uses our software to interface small independent beauty stores and small wholesalers. Etc. Um, Etc. Et and so the reason they need this kind of digital solution is that typically in China they don't sell to these guys directly. Uh, they sell through two million wholesalers, uh, which are still running a business in China today. And uh, okay. uh, they don't have a direct connection to them. So uh, with our solution, they can start to have members joining their B two B programs and give them uh, incentives by scanning QR code on the packages. Uh, and showing them uh, new product introduction or new promotion, uh, which are which are for them, and little by little making the relationship more direct, eventually uh, completely direct. Okay, so I think there's a lot uh, to to understand from this because I'm not sure I understand all the process. You are providing a software, um, uh, basically an app, right, which is helping those people who buy products from those companies. You talked about uh, Saint-Gobain, you talked about mm -hmm. Unilever, to scan the product they buy so that mm -hmm. this same Unilever knows that he, he, he went to this shop. Is it correct? Yes, exactly. So, um, for example, for the SAF, uh, there are maybe um, one million restaurants, bakeries, boulangeries who bake in China and who use mm -hmm. uh, yeast products. You know, uh, uh, when you bake uh, and you want the the the, the mix to uh, to uh, to I don't know how to say yeah the thing that some people may listen to us and not watch the video so <laughs> basically when you're baking right you need a yes. product okay to, to make it bigger okay yes for the for the for the product to become uh, bread basically and. Um, so LeSaf is the world leading company uh, for East, and uh, it's a very big player in China as well. 
and uh, they sell uh, their yeast through wholesalers. So um, a baker, like somebody who sells cakes or manto or mianbao in China, um, he will scan the products and he will register via WeChat uh, to the uh, membership program of the brand. Uh, we use for that a technology which is called mini program in WeChat, which is something yeah. between uh, a website and an app. So it's uh, as easy to open the first time as, a, as an H5, uh, but it's as stable and uh, smooth to use as, a, as an app going forward. And uh, via this program, they can uh, accumulate points or coupons or rewards uh, for the products that they are purchasing still through the wholesalers. Um, and they can uh, exchange them for free goods or for uh, other benefits uh, from the brands. And uh, this is how the brands progressively changes from promoting new product launches or seasonal promotion, which they used to through the wholesalers, so indirectly, and now directly with the, with the bakers. I see. So who is getting the incentives? Is it the business or the people who scan? I'm, I'm not, I'm not so, sure. This is a very good question. So um, it can be both. There are multiple roles. And there's the business manager or the business owner, and there are the business employees. So for a bakeries, it's not a big difference because most of them are independent. And so the, uh, the owner is the manager, is the cook, is the same person. Um, yeah. But for larger companies like a restaurant, where you have multiple yeah. waiters, for example, for wine, uh, you may have both, um, both incentives, yes. Okay, both are incentivized to scan mm -hmm. and they get rewards in terms of gifting or discounts in future orders. Is it correct? Yeah. 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 So these rewards before yeah. would uh, would have existed maybe. So um, uh, they would get a plan via the wholesalers. Okay. This is Chinese New Year. If you buy uh, uh, one cases of wine, you will get two free bottles, for example. Um, and now they are digitized. So uh, instead of all this going through the wholesalers, um, they happened with the brand directly, but without changing too much. Uh, the, the transactional and the distribution model in, in, in the middle. I see. I understand. But so what, what, what's the ultimate objective? Is the ultimate objective to understand what the products are becoming, what, what, what they, where, where they are, and who is using it? Is it to skip the wood sellers? Is it to actually build a loyalty program? Because I see different aspects of it, different, different aspects which can be leveraged through, through your, your app. Which one is the main one? The main reason so, why people come to you? The long-term objective is to be direct with these guys, okay. which is to have a direct relationship with them, which means that um, the brand can convince them directly to use their yeasts in their recipes or to use their alcohol in their wine list or their beauty products on their shelves um, by communicating with them directly and influencing directly uh, their orders and their purchase decision uh, via uh, promotional uh, offerings. Um, but you cannot go directly to this. Uh, you cannot remove everything else which is today on the market. Uh, so because there are many people in between and many interests, so you need to go step by step. And so um, the, the I think the the simple beauty of the QR code is that you can introduce this new relationship without changing anything else and without upsetting too much the other people. You're just shifting little by little some of the relationship which was indirect to, to direct. So some promotions which would go through wholesalers before, now they are direct. 
and maybe in the next step you will take orders and you will you will transfer these orders to the wholesalers for them to fulfill them and then one day you will go direct i see does it mean that now the wholesalers are also scanning um so There are also programs because there are multiple layers of wholesalers in China uh, in many situations. Yeah. So there are yeah. also for some of our customers programs for second layer wholesalers um, because you are trying to skip the first layer eventually. So okay. in that case, yes, wholesalers are scanning. Okay. How does it work exactly? Could, could, you, could you describe your process for a, a typical example or the best case you, 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 you like to describe? Yeah, sure. Um, so for another customer, which is Iaton um, or Eternal Asia, which is a, a local uh, China 500 company, uh, which distributes alcohol and uh, to restaurants and bars in China. Um, What's the name? Iaton, and the English name is Eternal Asia. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a top 500 company uh, uh, in terms of capitalization in China. Um, wow. And so they place QR codes on their products, and so the the staff of restaurants uh, scan them to get incentives, and so uh, this has replaced uh, all the previous mechanisms they had of uh, reporting by salespeople or, or passing some incentives via some loyalty wholesalers, and uh, And uh, so save them a lot of money in uh, cheating or inaccuracies or uh, 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 operational fees uh, to 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 uh, digitize the way they uh, interact with the staff of the restaurants. So that, that you said save money, but I'm not I'm not sure we all understand how they save money. You you talk about in your presentation that you make your clients save three points of PNL or increase by yeah. by three points their profit if they make profit. Yeah. Um, so how do they really save money? Because I see actually what I understand is that you ask people outside of your company to do a work you should do, which is to know what your product is becoming and reward each layer. Of, of of the of the chain, is it is it what what you talk about when you say saving money? Yeah. So I think the the big difference between B 2 B and B 2 C uh, is that the price is not the same for everybody. Uh, if you are a consumer, uh, for every single consumer, I mean there are different prices, but these prices are available to all the consumers. Uh, but in B 2 B, the bigger you are. If you commit to this brand into your uh, uh, menu or your recipe or what you use in your hair salon, uh, if you are bigger, then you should get a better price basically because you have more bargaining power with the brands. And so there are a big part of this company's uh, gross sales, which is re-spent on discounts to basically lower the price via rebates to some of the bigger customers which are on the market. And uh, but when you don't sell to these customers directly, then uh, you have to trust your wholesalers to take this rebate and give it to them uh, appropriately, basically. Mm -hmm. And now the problem is that uh, uh, what the wholesaler is supposed to do is to go after these bigger customers, these bigger restaurants or these bigger hair salons or these bigger bars or, or shops, and to um, convince them. Uh, to take uh, a big part of that brand into their, their portfolio. 
uh, and they will give them, um, and this takes a lot of work. Uh, and then they tell to the brand, okay, now I have this and this and that. Please give me this rebate so I can give it to them. This is the traditional way of doing business. The problem is that uh, it's much easier for the wholesalers to lie and say that they got many of these big customers to take a lot of rebates. And then they have now a price which is lower than the other wholesalers and they resell it on the internet on the wholesaler markets. So a lot of the money we save directly is by removing some of this cheating or these inefficiencies because you get more accurate data directly uh, by the customers instead of relying by the wholesalers. I see. And those wholesalers, you you you're telling us that some of the layers are working with your solution. Are they, mm -hmm. are they okay with that? Um, so of course not. Uh, uh, there are two million wholesalers in China, and I think um, many of them are very traditional businesses, and um, many of them also uh, not very sure of what is their relevance in the future digital uh, e-commerce world uh, because uh, they have no product no differentiation actually they are just um, a community of logistics and financial services between brands and uh, and, uh, and shops so um, they still have some power because they have some relationships with outlets some relationships with authorities so they have some level of influence on the on the economics of the city where they work. Um, and you don't want to upset them because otherwise they will use their influence to uh, damage your brands. Uh, and this is why uh, everything you, you do, you need to do very step by step. And you cannot go too fast. You can go faster than the normal trend of the market of eventually they are losing influence and, uh, and they will merge, disappear, or being replaced by something else. Um, and so this is really the, what we're trying to do with all of our customers. They need to start today to digitize the relationship with their small stores and need to go as quickly as possible without stretching too much uh, 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 and going beyond the, the, the bargaining power of the brand and, uh, and, uh, and the resistance of the market. So who's going to do this work of uh, convincing or softening the, the change to, to the wholesalers? Are, are you working with clients on this or you, you let the client talking to the wholesaler? You would sell a different layer. Is, yeah. Eventually, we are a software provider. So it's really the job of the brand uh, to maintain and uh, make these relationships evolve with their distributors. Wholesalers. Um, but we have a lot of experience because actually these relationships and these evolutions, they are very similar in all the industries we go to. It can be alcohol, it can be shampoo, it can be uh, construction material. Uh, it's always the same thing. It's they are your customers, but they are also in the way of your future growth. And so you have this very complex relationship of uh, keeping them happy, but knowing that uh, they need to be less and less important in, uh, in the future of your, your company. And so we, we bring them a lot of advice and also um, it's step by step, what can you do first uh, and what should you do later. And we also make them talk to each other, uh, especially when they're from different industries then they are very happy to share experiences and, uh, and they can give each other advice uh, for, for the ones which have been a little bit farther away from the process and uh, uh, give advice to, to other, other clients. For the clients you have now, you, you, you talked about several ones, they process all the distribution with your, with your, soft, with your SaaS system, right? All of it. Correct. Um, of course, when we send a new client, we open up with a pilot. 
which is maybe one of the business units if there are multiple ones, and one sales area. Um, but eventually, we go to uh, all the business units which are distributed indirectly via wholesalers um, for the entirety of China. And do, do, do people actually um, respect that to actually scan at each layer of the transaction when, when they have to, when they receive the products, when they want to reorder the product? Do they respect the process for now? So, um, eventually, this is added value that the brand gives to you as, uh, as a cook or a waiter or a hairstylist. So, you can choose not to have this value, of course. Uh, but uh, what, what you need to understand is that, again, there's a difference between B2B and B2C. You know, as a B2C, as a consumer, you have many promotions every day. And, you, know, you can go after each coupon or each rebate. Uh, but for me, uh, I don't do this because I don't want to be bothered by these things in my life and, and my time and, and, uh, and how I, I spend my methods. But for them, um, this is work. Uh, this is the piano. You know, this is where 10 people work eight hours every day, buying every day the same products. And so getting the best deal on this product, uh, it's not it's not a nice to have. It's uh, it's how you optimize your business. Uh, so and it becomes a finalized process, and uh, you don't have to educate people over and over again because you have uh, people who consume your product every day. So you can you can educate all your customers, B two B customers. You can never educate all your consumers. I see. So you feel that in B two B discounts yeah. and uh, gifts giftings are working better. Yeah. That's what you say, right? They make more sense for them. It's rational, it's more rational. Okay, I understand. Um, yeah, can you give, give us a sense of the size of the company currently, number of people, revenues, um, growth, if you can share? Okay, um, so the team is uh, 27 people in Shanghai. Um, and uh, yeah, and they are, most of them are uh, working on developing the software. Um, so the revenues are um, the ARR uh, this year are mm -hmm. uh, below one million US dollars, uh, and the, the uh, total revenue. So you mean um, um, AIA, right? Non M, right? Because monthly it's annual. ARR. So annual revenue. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I see. Um, I see. The one million. Okay. And um, then the, the revenues are, are above one million. So we have. Uh, a lot of setup fees and, and these things, which, uh, which but we are really focusing on the ARR. And uh, so the ARR is, um, has grown uh, already by four compared to last year. Multiplied um, by four. Yeah, and we expect it will grow by four again in 2018. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, actually, we already yeah. have we 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 already have times two, not guaranteed, but uh, uh, which we expect to get organically. From existing customers, uh, I because see. again, with each of our customer, we start with pilots, which grow to a rollout. So the uh, growth is uh, both from uh, uh, from acquiring new customers, but also from uh, going deeper with our existing customers. I see. I see. Okay. And uh, are you profitable now, or still investing? No, we are investing. Okay. Okay. Good. Where, where do you, where do you, where does the money come from? You 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 raise money. So um, yes, we we raised um, uh, yeah a little bit below one million US uh, one year ago. Okay. And uh, we plan to raise five million next year. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah, I, I was investigating a little bit on the internet and found out that uh, it's very difficult, very hard to get get um, information about your funding, actually. Uh, <laughs> Angel.co, you still have some information on one company which funded you, I think, at the beginning, but I I know uh, that actually it was the only one. Yeah, okay. That's so, right. So, um, well, yes, uh, I need to update our Angel.co website. Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, this card, the latest one of running is um, was an angel fund. It was a, a safe investment, so multiple notes. Um, and before that, um, when when I, we got started more than two years ago, we uh, we did not receive money, but we um, received some office space and some uh, developers and some advice from a, a, a local um, uh, IT services company. Uh, which uh, which was actually the first investor. Yeah. I see. I understand. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. You you talk about four core products in your presentation, and I I, mm -hmm. I don't understand really the segmentation. Can you tell us more about this? Sure. Um, so we have a a big backend system, which manages um, you know unique QR codes. Product master, product information, um, business logics, uh, number of points, uh, authorized uh, areas for the roster. And of course, all the customer uh, information uh, from when they register, their personal info, then their history, and uh, uh, their transactions and additional information we, we get from them. Um, and we, so this, and then some consumers as well, because um, there is a bit of consumer information as well. Um, so we have this big backend system, and then we have a standardized uh, widget mini program, uh, which so is the uh, backend is one product. It's one product. One product. Okay, I yeah. understand. That mini program is one product. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's they come together. You cannot choose one without the, the other one. But uh, yeah, so okay. the, the link is uh, really the standard interface which we we configure for each customer. Which they offer with their um, restaurants, bars, uh, bakers, and we have um, uh, a new product which is coming up, which is for consumers, and this is more like a, an investment for the future um, that we are we are we are launching uh, for Christmas, uh, similar to what we do with B two B, but uh, this one for B two C, and we also have um, a service platform. So we, uh, 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 we we don't sell only licenses, but we also sell services. So we, we have acquired a number of data, for example, a database of outlets in China, which our customers can uh, use uh, from us. Uh, we also have some services for uh, rewards or customer service, many of the things which you need to uh, actually do in order to run uh, your, your B2B program completely. Um, and so these things are, uh, are so we have a, a platform of services for that, working with partners that uh, our customer can plug into via our, our software and through their the solution. When you say consumer, it's not the end consumer, it's not the, the, the myself, right? It's com companies, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, co companies, okay, okay. So I, I to sum up, you have you, the four products you talk about are is the backend, which is linked to the mini app, basically. It's it's a it's, it's a system to look at how people interact with the app and how they use it and the information and so on. Okay, you have the mm -hmm. mini app on WeChat and 
I, I go back on the mini app on WeChat. I, I think it would be very interesting to know why you used uh, the mini app on WeChat and not an app. And you are working on a third product, which is B2C for the end clients, if I'm mm -hmm. correct. Yep. And uh, the platform, which is the platform, which is a service platform where you could have a lot of different products for the shop to, to order, even if it's not a product is usually ordering, you would offer direct contact with the brand. Is it correct? Uh, so the, the platform is um, some chargeable services that our clients may need to use to run their, uh, their, their program to their, to their customers. So for example, um, there are uh, points, there are rewards. So you can order gifts or, or these kind of things. So we have a database of gifts and including the, the catalog, the delivery, uh, all these things. So they just plug into our service platform and then they can use all these gifts for their program. And then they pay us as they use. Uh, we also have a database about this. So um, they can uh, look into the database uh, to, to give them an idea of where they are versus the market. And, uh, and this okay. is chargeable. We also have um, prospection services to go actually uh, on the field door to door to push this program. And this is you pay as, uh, as you use it. So we have um, all these services because at the end of the day, um, the, the brand cannot run a, eventually as they go more and more direct, they cannot offer to their customers a total solution by themselves. Um, so you need software, but you also need uh, a platform to complement the, the, the solution. And so this is what we, what we offer to them. Currently, the, the 1 million AAR you are doing is mainly with then the, the, the mini app and the backend, right? The, the first two. Correct. There is also a little bit of revenue coming from the, um, the, the services we sell. Okay. So if I understand correctly, the service platform, you, you could have actually to, to plug into your service platform, people who are not your clients. I mean, companies which are not your clients, you don't manage all the distribution and, and put QR code on all the products, but they could actually plug into your platform. Uh, no, we don't do for that. No? Okay. It's okay, it's, it's only your clients. It's only for clients, yeah. Okay, because it could be, right? If I understand correctly. I think it could be, yeah. It's just it's question of focus, I guess. Okay, okay, I understand. I just want to make sure that I understand correctly. Okay, what about, yeah, so mini app on WeChat. I heard a lot hmm. of bad things about mini app on WeChat. There was not <laughs> no really? leverage, uh, no people were using it, and so on, and that it's leveraging now. People are using it, beginning to use it, it, but to use it, sorry, but it took so much time to your feedback on it. Well, I think, you know, the, the user you know, doesn't really care. H5 is a new app. Uh, and if you use H5, you use mini app. To be honest, it's not such a big difference. Um, and both of them are completely fine. So uh, I, I don't want to say H5 is better or mini app is better. They are very similar and they have some small advantages, uh, which um, may make them more relevant depending on, our, on the business case. And for us, the advantages of mini app are significant enough that we we, uh, we went for that directly um, this year. We, we changed from an H5 strategy to a mini program strategy uh, uh, this year. And uh, for us, these advantages are um, our users are very frequent uh, users of the uh, of the brand program, daily or weekly or at the very least monthly. And so uh, the save of time and the loading time on the experience 
but also uh, not having to regain uh, access, uh, re-logging stuff uh, continuously uh, makes a huge difference. Uh, yeah. And yeah. on the other hand, there is no real uh, inconvenience. Uh, not inconvenient because you don't have to load the new program. It opens like an HF at the beginning. Um, so far, it's, it was a very clear decision actually to go for Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so, for people who don't understand, who are not listening to us from China, I think for them it's difficult to understand without seeing yes. Yeah. So, the mini app is an app you open within the system of WeChat. So, you don't have to go yeah. out of WeChat to open it. So, it's yeah. easier because WeChat is the main app that Chinese are using. Uh, one yeah. question about mini app you are scanning mini program. Uh, you are scanning mini program. Sorry, mini program. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, you are scanning a lot of QR code. Um, yeah. You know, you know that a lot of some developers suggest to go on native apps in when you have to interact with the camera of the phone. Uh, mm. How is it with um, with mini, mini mini program, right? Mini programs. Yeah, on yeah. WeChat. Is it the interaction with what we call, I, I think, SDK, right? I'm not, I'm not a developer myself. Mm. Uh, how, how does it interact with the phone? Is it, is it seamless? Is it as good as native? Hmm. Yeah, no, the, um, so it is an SDK and we use the WeChat uh, QR code scanning um, uh, solution for that. And uh, to be honest, it's excellent. Uh, you know, uh, it's, I remember five years ago when we, uh, when in another life I was working with that and we were really struggling because uh, they would not open, for example, the, the light of the camera. So basically you could not scan a QR code in the dark with WeChat. These kind of things. So all of these things are, have been solved a, a long time ago, um, and now you have uh, not only uh, an offline recognition of the carpet to, to first know where it is without uh, server use, but also zooming in when you're a little bit far from it, uh, automatically detection of dark for the lights, um, and overall excellent image recognition. So it's uh, I don't think I could do something better than that. So not even trying. Yeah. Okay. Don't you feel too dependent on WeChat? Is it? Do you do you price it as a risk for your business to be dependent uh, with with WeChat? Um, I mean, it's first, it's a, it's a it's a huge um, benefit to be able to have WeChat and to be able to to use it. Um, without it, uh, the user acquisition for clients would be just too high. Mm. Um, mm. So. Because they would have to download something, uh, mm -hmm. so I think our business would not exist without WeChat today, to be honest. Okay. Um, and for the long term, um, I think in theory it's a risk, um, and uh, but it's a risk for you know pretty much every uh, consumer or customer uh, software company in China because we we all use it uh, and many other things. I don't think it's the philosophy of WeChat to. Um, kill the solution providers which uh, live on that platform uh, because uh, I think they realize that uh, to keep the traffic they need to keep people being innovative on the, on the platform uh, and so just like you know when they they, they create which offers you know, a free HVAC store or a free um, uh, uh, mini program store or a free CRM mini program for this. Many free softwares, which I uh, have not used a lot actually. Um, and they just do this, uh, and they don't push too much on the solution. They do this to show the example and, uh, and uh, 
and uh, communicate to people what you can do with WeChat. But they're actually very happy that there are companies who uh, develop better solutions and, and, and sell them to, to customers. Yeah, it's an ecosystem. I, I guess that the companies you work with are asking you to work outside of China. Uh, I mean, it could be Indonesia, it could be Thailand. I, I think, I guess you had this discussion with your clients because you, if you have a system in, the, in a country which is as big as China, as important as China for a lot of companies, you may want to have the same system uh, elsewhere. You answered this question because then we go back to the question of WeChat. Yeah, so we have two of our large externals which are, have already deployed us in other markets. Um, Europe, actually, not, uh, not Asia. And, um, and of course, the users in these markets, they don't use WeChat. So we have uh, customized H5 or apps, basically. Um, uh, okay. to do that. And, and so we don't use our standard mini program, we use uh, um, these uh, customized uh, interfaces which are plugged into our, our backend system. Okay, H5 um, meaning that it's a website that people open and use yes. it through, through the internet, through Safari or through Chrome to, yeah. to, yeah. to, to scan, I understand. Yeah, okay. and, and, and which is more and more accessible, I think as you, you know, like in the most recent iOS updates now, you can, you can scan QR codes when you they appear when you take a, a picture with the camera. So yeah, uh, I found that. Action. Yeah, yeah. On the new, so it's good. The new iOS. Yeah. So and, and many things similar exist for Android. So actually now in the rest of the world, uh, most smartphone users have a native QR code scanners in their smartphones, which is very. Good. Um, but that being said, um, these applications that we see developed in other countries are, are still quite a few years behind what the the China affiliate is doing uh, within these groups. Um, interesting. So, uh, and, and every time actually, it, it is very interesting. The, I think there is um, a global intuition or the intuition of this kind of solution at the global level. Um, and then uh, China uh, being the first market to deploy these type of solutions. And then really being the model uh, for, for all the markets. And, and you really have a shift of, um, of uh, power or innovation power and these very large multinational companies uh, with you know, Europe or the US looking at what China is doing, uh, which, is, which is very interesting. Yeah, you feel, you feel China is invested in, in your field, right? On, on tracking the products, uh, using QR codes. I mean, O2O, right? I, I, actually, I think you've used a lot the word uh, O2O or IoT in your presentation. Um, is it correct? And you are in the field of O2O, right? Offline to online and in some way. Yeah. I don't know if O2O is a word that people use outside of China, but, okay. um, but yeah, okay. offline to online or online to offline. So uh, this is the idea that you have something which happens offline, for example. So these, um, mm -hmm. these uh, shops or these restaurants who use products and, and have an offline uh, relationship with them, if you want to. And then you bring it online uh, uh, via the, the solution that our, our, our clients use. So yeah, this is um, this is the the, the trend in which we are. And um, but this was the idea initially, right? This was your idea. I mean, O2O. I, I remember the first time we talked about it was it was focusing on O2O, and I feel that from the initial idea, uh, yeah. you evolved a little bit. Uh, but the, mm -hmm. the the constant aspect is you are still very much into O2O, how to put what you, what's happening offline 
into the cloud, yeah. basically. I mean, we say online with the cloud, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I guess the difference uh, is that not only we take something offline to online, but we also take uh, some place where there's no relationship or a poor indirect relationship to, to a direct relationship because the relationship could not be direct offline. You know, the market is too big. Uh, there are too many customers. So it can only exist online. Yeah, yeah. About the business model, I'm not sure I'm very clear on the business model. Do you charge mm -hmm. by number of scans? Do you charge by, there is a retainer and then number of scans? There is a mm -hmm. trial period, I mean, the, the, the test and the, the, the beginning of the setup, I would say, and then you charge, how, how do you work? Okay, so we have um, three menus, like um, basic, uh, engage and transform. Um, and basic, you really are going to use the solution of the shelf um, uh -huh. and uh, uh, in, a, in a way which is the most standardized according to, to what we see in the market. And with uh, Engage, you have access to APIs, so you can complete the solution with more uh, customized apps. You can integrate it to your architecture, uh, your other systems, your BI tools. And, and with Transform, you have um, access to complex models, uh, customized rule engines, uh, or BI or big data database, uh, multi-layered, uh, multinational organization setups. Et um, so the other three menus, and then within each menu, you have uh, different uh, according to yeah, how big you are. So uh, with, within each uh, of the five cases, you have the maximum number of unique products created, uh, active customers, and active consumers. Kind of so kind. one dimension, so you know, one size, yeah. Okay, the bigger you become, the, the more, the, 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 the higher you have to go into the menu, you have to go to the menus. You, you, you talk about menu, right? And it's called menu, yeah. menu basic. one, menu one, yeah. Engage and transform. Basic, yeah. engage and transform. Yeah. Uh, and uh, depending on the number of products which are in circulation, depending on the number of mm -hmm. scans, the number of people who use it, you may have to, yeah. have to actually to go on the second and third menu. And on top of that, you get more features, more, 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 more ability to track, uh, which are unlocked by with the different menus. Are you correct? Uh, yeah, so no matter your size, you, you can go with one of the three menus. It's how complex the business scale is for, for you or how integrated it is in, into your business. And then the size will go up within each menu uh, according to the size of the business. So the menu is a functional dimension, and the size is uh, is the other dimension. Okay, um, but I, I feel that it will be for you for every client uh, a unique. In some way, you, you you have a software, but some way it will be a bit unique for each of your clients. So uh, as far as I understand, you will have to adapt a little bit uh, with your client. I, I'm seeing in your presentation that you connect with 100 APIs. Mm -hmm. uh, is it because your clients are different? And that, that comes back to this question about how, how you have to adapt for every client. Yeah, no, definitely. This is um, for larger organizations. This is uh, you know, the, the industry of large software applications, um, which are integrated with the client's ERP, BI tools, yeah. Yeah. Um, production systems, um, sometimes the SFAs, uh, so I mean, many of the um, typical software and the architecture of, um, of a methodology company in China. And um, plus, you may develop 
specific reports or specific interfaces. Um, and so for all of this, you need uh, APIs. Okay, okay. Is it easy to motivate your, your, the team uh, of developers when you have to adapt your product to every client? I mean, often <laughs> adapt to your clients. I mean, that's a, so that's a big question for a lot of tech company, right? Yeah, I think we have uh, this. This is one place we are very strong, actually, for a, a setup of our size uh, compared to what maybe other setups uh, have difficulties. Um, so we have a very simple but also a very strict rule at Metforgoods, which is that uh, the project team, the one who delivers the project to the clients after it's signed, um, they they cannot, they are forbidden from using our um, our developers for any, not only uh, any customized development, but even the integration, uh, the standard integrations. So all the efforts to do that uh, uh, needs to be uh, done with our partners, our integration partners, or our, our uh, customized development partners. Interesting. So Interesting. the, the, the team, part. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so the team is 100% focused on the product and the roadmap. Of course, there is significant interaction between the two teams, but the idea is that um, uh, we plan long time ago, long, long time ahead features, and we stick to the plan. And uh, and if uh, something is needed right now, which is not in the plan, then then we adapt it because we we have a very open platform. So there is always a way to build a, a customized uh, development uh, without impacting the team. I see. I see. Interesting. Um, let's go back to the start of the business. You, I think you have co-founders. Could you tell us more about um, how you how you started, uh, how you brought okay. your co-founders? Yeah, yeah. So um, I I quit my job um, almost three years ago, and uh, in very good terms with them. So when I started, I, I still was working two days per week as a consultant for them on site. Um, and I did uh, some consulting projects for all other uh, companies at the same time. And so I started very light with uh, uh, not spending money and making a little bit of money uh, in services and, uh, and starting to develop uh, a software. And then we, um, we, we started to do some um, IT projects a little bit over two years ago um, using uh, some of the platform we were developing, but also a lot of custom developments at the same time. And so, uh, uh, and at that time, I was uh, when I started, I was I was uh, I was by myself. And the first, so we are four co-founders today, and the first of the four co-founders joined around that time, which was middle of 2015. Um, so when one year, one year after you studied, or six months after you studied, six months, six months, yeah. six months, yeah. yeah. Um, and um, and then we uh, we did more projects and we started to do customize sorry uh, we did a standard product which is what is today our, our, our backend system basically and that system um, really went live um, in the middle of last year so not a long time ago actually uh, uh, middle of last year 2016 okay yeah Q3 even yeah, yeah. Um, uh, which is our, our you know, big multi microservices, uh, uh, very open APIs uh, backend system. 
um, and, and then selling projects based on that and focusing on ARR uh, and, uh, and, and that's uh, selling that standard product um, since last year. Um, so sorry, and uh, I'm not showing the chronology very properly, so it should be very confusing. But this, the third co-founder joined us um, in June of 2016, and so more than one year ago. And the last co-founder uh, in uh, September, so yeah, also just a little bit over one year ago. Uh, so she the yeah. So she the the, the, the the product and the, the co-founding team is still pretty new, uh, uh, a little bit over one year old uh, in that respect. How do you how do you integrate them? I, I think that's a big question for a lot of people who start business. They, they may start alone yeah. and yeah. they welcome other co-founders. I, I think mm -hmm. it's very difficult. Uh, mm -hmm. never easy actually at least. How how did mm -hmm. you how did you work out uh, to, 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 to integrate them? Um, so no I didn't I don't think it was difficult for us. Um, I, I think um, for each of them, uh, before they joined, I think uh, at the very least we had three months of uh, discussion and uh, getting to know each other. Um, so uh, weekly meetups and uh, and uh, okay. trying to understand what role they could have and what's their uh, objectives and uh, so. So I think that helped a lot. You you met with you three co-founders for three months. I mean, I guess it was done at the same time because time frame is different. But for three yeah. months, you met with each of them every week, one time, and yeah. the discussions was about what they would do, what what yeah. actually you do as well, was the vision, what they would yeah. do, and how, how much yeah. like it was one hour a week, one hour, two hours, lunch time. Uh, depends. Um, some of them uh, had a lot of time from their work, so it was uh, maybe uh, two times two hours per week. And um, some of them had a busy job, so it was on the weekends. And one of them uh, took a six week sabbatical. Um, so it was full time, six weeks uh, with us uh, before taking the decision. So that was, uh, then we were very sure it was a good fit. Okay. Yeah. Um, and the two yeah. others you were meeting, um, uh, was it outside the, outside the office or was it within the office and everyone knew that they, they would be potential partners? How, how did you communicate on this with, with the rest of the team and did they know the process? Uh, how, how, how did it go? So the, the first one was also the first of the second employee, so no big impact on the rest of the team because there was a one. Okay. Um, the second one was full-time, as I mentioned, in the company, so and we had to be uh, straightforward with the team that this was something we were looking at. And the last one, the last one, we approached via a, a headhunting process. So um, it Wait, was... Wait, you hired a headhunter? You hired a headhunter to find your co-founder? Not exactly. So we have an in-house full-time headhunter for talent acquisition, and who has... Uh, Purchased or access to headhunting databases, and um, so it's it's something in house. But yes, it's a headhunting process, cold calls and uh, uh, maintaining a, a network of potential candidates over time. Uh, so then it was a, it was a yeah, it's a big investment. I think well, uh, I think it pays off 
we we used headhunters as well uh, for other positions in the past, and they could not get uh, the same quality of candidates uh, we had. I think because they they could not communicate the passion of co-founders and startups uh, that when we call call them directly. So uh, so we don't have as good results, and we yeah and the one recruitment we did via headhunters didn't work out. In the end, so uh, I think it was a good decision. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, so for the last one, it was on the weekends and uh, in the office. Okay, good. Uh, we ending, we're, clo we're close to the end uh, of the podcast. How, how did you like the, the podcast? How did you like the, the exchange? Very good, very good. <laughs> I, learned, I realized I need to, to be careful on uh, what's, what I live on the internet. I have to go to angel.co now to update. Yeah, uh, you may uh, have to update yeah. a little bit, yeah. Anything else you saw? Or anything else I should uh, I should look for that you have dug out? Uh, updating, yeah, your angel.co. Uh, LinkedIn is a bit confusing. Sometimes in Chinese, sometimes in English. Um, mm. I'm very careful on on the things. Uh, mm. But yeah, I will debrief with you on over lunch sometime <laughs> before you go for Christmas. Yeah, uh, I, I do the thing. Yeah, I found out. Thank you very much, Thomas. I think it was a very very interesting. Um, I, I guess it, it could inspire a lot of people and how to find your, your co-founders uh, business model and so on and and um, with the WeChat ecosystem. It was very, very interesting. Thank you very much. Thank Thomas. you. Thank you. Have a good Thanks. weekend. Bye. Bye-bye.